Hi, I'm your host, Chelsea Fisher. And I'm Grace Marino. Thanks for joining us today to drink and, and deconstruct. This episode, as with all episodes of the Drink and Deconstruct podcast, represents solely host and guest opinions as stated by each individual. All situations represented are alleged and not statements of fact unless otherwise disclosed. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Our guest today, Nathan Hay, is a Baptist pastor in Harlan, Kentucky. He has been preaching since he was 15 and holds an associate of ministry from Slidell Baptist Seminary. He has been involved with various Christian ministries and roles in the church. Nathan began his deconstruction journey in 2020, and it seems like it really has just gotten started. In our conversation with him, we delve into the church's view of traditional gender roles and the impact they have on adolescents. We are excited to present the idea of deconstruction through the lens of a current pastor. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. I know we had a little bit of trouble. We were going to use a different platform, but that didn't end up working. So <laughs> Zoom it is. Well, that's great. Yeah, we'll give you a little bit of a rundown here, our second interview for this podcast. We're not sure what order your episode is going to go in it might be one of the first it might not be until like end of march or early april because we're kind of trying to like fill up a backlog and get organized before we launch and chelsea and i are obviously sisters um <laughs> i guess not obviously but i guess if you know us you well you just said sisters that's why i said that obviously anyway chelsea <laughs> and i are sisters um we didn't really grow up in the ifb until we were like 14. I was 14. I was younger. I was like, you were 12, 12. Yeah. And then we were in the IFB until at least I was 18 and Chelsea was 18. Cause she went to, um, their little homeschool. Yeah. Becca. Was it a Becca? It or wasn't was a Becca. It was ACE. Yeah. Uh, pay, like it's weird because they were called PACES, but it was ACE curriculum. Uh, it sucked. But yeah. we'll go into that in a different episode. <laughs> yes. We'll go into our stories in a different episode, but we just kind of wanted to give you a background of where we were coming from so that like maybe we can relate some things to your story as well. And if not, like it might just be because we went in, in very different IFB circles. Because uh, what I have learned is that no two IFB churches are the same. No way. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the doctrine, sure, might be like the same, but like, I don't know. Some of them have some wild people and then some of them some not so <laughs> harmful, you know? Yeah, right. Absolutely. All right. So Nathan, go ahead. Um, do you prefer to be called Nathan or Nate? Either way is fine with me. Okay. Cause I've been kind of using them interchangeably. So if I do, I didn't want it to be offensive. <laughs> so go ahead and tell me a little bit about like where you started as a Christian. Were you born into it? Did you seek it? at some point in your life like what kind of led you into being a christian i was born into it my my dad was a baptist pastor in indiana a uh, little uh-huh. bit in a baptist church uh, they were actually like loosely affiliated with the american baptist association but okay. they were on their own and i never stopped and i'll be 40 next month so yeah. so it's been 
40 years in the church. Yeah, it's a long haul. Yeah. So you, um, so you sound Southern. Are you uh, well, from uh, Indiana originally? Or? I'm from Indiana. Yeah, we moved down here. I was in the second grade. Okay. Uh, and it was like I went back in time 30 years whenever we moved <laughs> down here. It was terrible. Uh, like, like my school in Indiana had like carpeted floors and there were no steps. It was all ramps and handrails on the wall. And it was all painted nice. And mm-hmm. I got down here and it was like, hey, this is the 50s. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I um, my high school was built in like the 60s. So I absolutely... They've re they've you know made a new one in my hometown since then, but I completely relate to the feeling of going back in time. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um so you moved to uh it was it's Southwest Virginia. Uh, Southwest Lee County. Virginia. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it's the biggest county in Virginia, but it's also the poorest. And, okay. Uh, we're right in the middle of the opioid addiction epidemic um, place, and it's, yeah. it's wonderful okay so how did I guess moving into the church like you were straight to being in an IFB church right when you moved to Virginia and how did they kind no. of no. no so so what happened was mm-hmm. you know that dad's church was independent but mm-hmm. no one knew anything about it. like I, I didn't I didn't grow up knowing about independent Baptist churches mm-hmm. uh, we just went to church and then uh after he and my mom divorced, um, my stepdad and, and my mom, they found a church in New Salisbury, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was definitely independent. At the time, I didn't know what that meant. You know, I was just a kid. Right. Um, right. But there was like a militant youth program, you know, where like we're marching and reading the Bibles and uh-huh. yeah. stuff. Like, uh, I remember we had to. We something about it. We had a long rope, and we were walking around the church after dark. I don't know what was up with that, but like it was on a Wednesday night. It wasn't like some kind of weird paramilitary operation or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember like the boys behind me were acting up, but mm-hmm. whenever the guy got on to us, he got on to me too, and I wasn't doing anything, but I had to do push-ups. Oh, what what a weird kind of control to give yeah. somebody, kid, you know? That but, is very strange. Yeah. But at the time, I didn't. I mean, it was the eighties. I didn't think anything about it. I, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you just did your push-ups. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I loved it. That's so cool to actually hear from you saying that, like you you grew up in the IFB kind of in the eighties because Shell and I. I mean, we were. It was two thousand nine. Yeah, I think yeah, when right. we got into the IFB. So our our experience is a little bit more recent, but we can kind of like see how things maybe haven't changed yeah or progressed <laughs> maybe they weren't able to make kids do push-ups anymore but <laughs> yeah. yeah we definitely i've never experienced push-ups yeah the boys well, that, probably well, have it, it just depends on how far south you go probably too right yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> true northeast ohio probably isn't yeah. as militant but so uh, i could definitely see the roots of that like in the ifb church now yeah. or at least in 2009 <laughs> Yeah, it's actually um, something that we didn't send you um, questions on that might be fun to touch on after we kind of get through our questions is the idea of like the toxic masculinity of the IFB and how like boys did push-ups because they were boys and like the militant structure of that where girls were like, let's have tea parties and (laughs) wear our dresses. I've got a story for you on that. You you just... You come back to that because I got to go. We will come back to that. Yeah. 
So you mentioned in our original conversations that there were a few churches along the way uh, that set the stage for who you are now and where you are now. So uh, how did they shape you? Uh, well, you know, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm in the heart of the opioid ec- epidemic here. Mm-hmm. There was a girl in my high school. Uh, she ended up like it was 2001 when I graduated. Mm-hmm. So uh, 2020, I think it was, did a special that year on OxyContin. And mm-hmm. this girl who was very well known and very well liked in my high school was in a recovery program. Like yeah. it, it was it was really bad here. Um, and one positive thing I can say is the churches here kept me out of drugs, or at least right. kept me out of drugs, mm-hmm. um, which was is amazing. And that and my big brother, he told me he'd kill me if he. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they, you know, whenever we got here, it, it was all Southern Baptist churches, but. The person like who was the, our director of missions, the associational missionary, whatever you would call him, he um, he had really strong ties to the IFB, but he was mm-hmm. Southern Baptist and he wouldn't leave the Southern Baptist Church. He was trying to reform the Southern Baptist Church and get him back to, you know, what was quote unquote right. Right. Uh, but we ended up going to a lot of churches who he had a strong influence or where he had a strong influence. And dealt with a lot of pastors who had a strong, uh, he had a strong influence on and just, you get pressure, you know, yeah. it, it starts young. Um, nothing, it was nothing out of the ordinary really until I was about, I don't know, 13, mm-hmm. uh, 14. Uh, there, his, his son, actually, the, the associational missionary son was pastor in a church that I went to and I loved him, loved his family. Uh, he's, he actually passed away recently uh, with COVID, the, this pastor did. But, oh. He kept asking, uh, kind of always, you know, there was a desire. And then finally, uh, I was 15. I surrendered to preach at a revival meeting and at 15 decided that, you know, this is my life. This is what I was going to do and really had no idea about the struggle that the ministry is. Right. And, uh, and it was that pressure, uh, after that, um, there were, that there was my years of wondering, you know, where I was trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do for the Lord and, and kind of on again, off again, you know, in church, out of church, but usually in church. And even when I got out of church, I didn't do anything. Like I would just be rebellious at home quietly watching TV. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I didn't party or anything like that. And right, uh, right. I started going to an IFB church here locally around 2003. Long story short, my wife finished college. It was like 2000. 17 2018 she finished uh, her associate's degree to transfer we're you know we're doing this late in life i'm still trying to get my associates we um she had to transfer somewhere god wasn't pulling me i'd candidated at three churches no, nobody had bit you know nobody wanted me except for a crazy church that i candidated at and i didn't want to go there <laughs> and um and, and like this was it was kentucky ifb and it was it was weird so we decided we were going to move to Norfolk and mm-hmm. uh, at, at Old Dominion University, and that didn't work out. And we had sunk everything in it, mm-hmm. and we had to come back. And I called my pastor, and I was like, "Look, you know, we, we have to come home. Uh, this didn't work out." And instead of being like, "Oh man, that's bad. I'm sorry," you know, what can we do? Or you know, can we pray for you? Yeah. He just told me how that I messed up everything in the ministry, and uh, how that my, you know, I let my wife run the marriage and that's what got us there and he's like whenever you get back we'll sit down and we'll talk this stuff out and sort it out and of course i told my wife and uh you you guys will like her she's a spitfire she's i can't wait to meet her he um 
she was like, he's not going to talk to us. And she was mad, you know, obviously, because it was her fault in his eyes. I remember it was a Wednesday night. Like, we moved to Norfolk. We didn't quit going to church. We found yeah. a little church uh, just down the road for us to go to. That that pastor was really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were really good with my kid. He had, he had sons my son's age. And I, I knew that it was okay because one of his kids said fart. And he, <laughs> he didn't lose his mind, you know. Yeah. And his played with Pokemon. And he was okay with that. So I knew that it was at least kind of on the level. Yeah. And um, I remember talking to him that night after I talked to my pastor, I remember going to church and, and we were talking and I was like, you know, I've, I've got to go back. And he's like, well, that, you know, we, we hate to hear that. And, and I was like, I kind of feel like I've ruined my ministry. He just got this really puzzled look on his face. And uh, he was like, why do you say that? And then it hit me, you know, hey, buddy, <laughs> that guy's not the Holy Spirit. He can't tell you what you ruined and what you didn't ruin this is this is your life and and after that I realized that that the most profound effect that the church had on me was just this huge guilty burden that Mm. the church placed on me and the idea that a man has to tell you you know what's right and what's wrong that you can't think for yourself yeah so that's that's kind of the root I, I guess you could say of my journey but I didn't realize that at the time yeah I think it's interesting. So for our viewers, it is interesting that a lot of people associate like deconstruction and leaving your religion with like leaving faith altogether. And it is interesting. I know I haven't yet left faith. I still, you know, believe in God. I believe that there's a creator. I have left church. And then I don't want to speak for Chelsea, but she definitely isn't as pro-religion, I guess, as I am. <laughs> because there there are a lot of aspects of like the organized religion thing that I think are a bit culty. So I'm still trying to balance that. But as like as what from what I see of you being still a pastor, like I feel like you are still a spiritual, still a religious man. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is kind of interesting to hear from your perspective that like you see the good churches and the bad churches and you can say like, hey, this church wants me to listen to God and, and the IFB churches that I've attended want me to listen to man speaking as God. Yeah. You know, here it's, it's weird because the mountain people are weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's they're wonderful people, mm-hmm. but mountain people are, they're backwards. They'll do anything for you that they mm-hmm. can do. If you need help. They're right there. But at the same time, like I've been here since, I was in the second grade and if push comes to shove, I'm a Yankee, you know, like since the grade, I'm more country than my wife is. And Mm -hmm. like, when you talk to her, she sounds like she's from up North. We, we were stopped in Jeffersonville, Indiana. And the lady's like, where are you from? I was like, I'm from here. You don't sound like you're from here. And then my wife talked like, well, where are you from? And she's like, I'm from Virginia. And they're like, you sound like you're from Canada. (laughs) So, but, but they're, they're weird people and and they're clannish, but Mm -hmm. whenever you get to churches down here, there's, there's still a lot of superstition. It runs deep. And I'm not going to talk a lot about where my wife is right now because I don't want to spoil anything, but she, she definitely is not where she was spiritually five years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, and some of that Appalachian witchcraft, mountain healing, that kind of stuff. Like she's, she's dabbling in that and it's, like it, you know, it doesn't stress me out, but coming yeah. from my upbringing, like I'm this old guard dog on something like that, my my hair all prickles up, and I'm like, yeah. oh, <laughs> uh, so it's it's 
it's weird. It's different. But the, that, that kind of carries through to, to the church. We had a conversation about that a couple of weeks ago where mm-hmm. here it, it, they, they kind of went hand in hand for a long time. The, the church and these mountain healing granny ladies and, and it, so, so some of that still carries through. And so you, you get these really clannish churches mm-hmm. and you'll still have somebody who kind of calls the shots and, you know, it, it's, it's hard to break through sometimes. And you still have some of these little churches down here where it is definitely, you know, Pepal so-and-so runs the church and you don't yeah. cross him. And if you do, you're out. And, yeah. Uh, so you, you definitely have to, you know, kind of mind your P's and Q's, I guess. It's interesting that you bring up your uh, wife. Cause like you said, we're going to meet her, but it sounded like from hearing both of your stories, she started her deconstruction process a, a long time before you did. So how did that kind of influence? And like, it doesn't sound from what I know, like she still goes to church, but you're a pastor. So I just kind of want to see how that dynamic works too. She started a couple of years before I did. I didn't know what was going on with her. It was kind of dicey, to be honest. I was still yeah. in full, full bore IFB. This was pre-pandemic. Yeah. There was a lot of the ways that I thought, the ways that I acted that I didn't realize were not only harmful to me, but you know, they were, they were definitely harmful to her. I didn't realize they were harmful to me too. Yeah. From an emotional standpoint, but she, she got really distant and w- whenever she goes through something or she's got something on her mind, she full blown isolation. Like she's, she's definitely a mountain person. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. I just know that I couldn't fix it. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I just let her be. Cause I knew that if I tried, I would just make it worse. Yeah. Cause I'm a man and that's what we do. Um, <laughs> we, we try and make things worse. And so I just kind of let her do her thing. And at the time she had some, she still has very supportive friends to uh, it's, it's a, a, a male couple, which was another IFB, you know, hair raising. What yeah, is what's right. going on here? The nicest men I've ever met. Um, they care for her and look after her. I don't worry when she's around them. She did mm-hmm. some outdoor theater and they were both involved in the show. They made sure she got to her car safe. They, they really, uh cared about her tried to to you know be good listeners and give her the, the support she needed so you know i can't complain and, and i wouldn't complain they're both they're both very very nice men it was really hard um yeah. like i said i was confused about what was going on and i knew that i couldn't fix it mm-hmm. i just we kept going to church uh, sometimes she went sometimes she didn't she was never happy at church you know she wasn't pleased around the same time I started taking a um I was you know working on my associates and mm-hmm. took an English class where we like we had to it was like uh critical thinking stuff and mm-hmm. we kind of had a little lesson on that and it kind of went the whole semester and the more I read that the more I was like this makes sense you know logic is 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 real <laughs> and you know there's yeah. on science and this is this is not what I was taught and that kind of spurred me on a little bit she still goes to church some. I don't push it. I told her that she can go if she wants to go. And I talked to the church actually about a month ago, kind of having a hard time with my, you know, my, my dad passed a couple of years ago. And that was really hard because like we had a relationship, but it, it was never what I wanted because he was in Indiana and I was here and we just didn't get to see him a lot. And then back in October, my stepmom passed away and that was like my last parent. So it was, it was pretty rough. So I talked to the church and I told him, I was like, look, I need, I need to not do Sunday night service for a while. I need to take some time to chill and rest and not have everything in my face. And 
and uh, I told them then I was like she may or may not be with me at church she was dealing with her own stuff and Mm -hmm. of course I haven't talked to them about religious trauma or anything like that I don't they would all get it but the pastors the, the old pastor still goes there and he's got dementia and he told us like four times this morning where he went to college and you know, where he worked growing up. And he's a really sweet man, uh, probably one of the hardest working people I've ever talked to. Mm -hmm. And his kids are all like, it's all over them that they've just been through it. And they completely understood where I was coming from. And, and there was no problem. They understood that she's not going to be around as much. And that's cool too. But I have to say that it's kind of improved our relationship that I'm not, you know, handcuffing her and throwing her in the car on Sunday morning to go to church and, uh, you know, making sure that she's there. She knows that if she wants to go, she's more than welcome. But yeah, that's definitely something I commend you on because growing up in IFB, you see, you know, like you said, the big man in charge, the woman's just kind of doing whatever is told of her. So it's something that I commend you for letting your wife, you know, not letting because she has her own free will, but being open to her deconstruction and hearing her out. When it came down to it, honestly, it, it was literally, okay, she, so I have to be, no tattoos. What are you talking about? What, what is yeah. this? She wanted a tattoo. And I was like, no, you don't need a tattoo. And she's like, well, what? why do you have a say in that? And I'm like, yeah. hey, you're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. We're one body. Of course I've got a say in it. And so <laughs> it, it was a fight that happened about yeah. once every month or so. And uh I was talking to a guy that I work with. His name is Kelly and, and he's, he's religious. He's like an agnostic, but he's religious. He believes in God, but that's, it's about as far as he goes. And yeah, he was like, well, you don't really have a say that's her body. And I was like, shut up. You're <laughs> supposed to be on my side. She has tattoos. So yeah, <laughs> she won that one. And, <laughs> and it was, it, it literally came down to, Hey, you know, God's against divorce too. So yeah are you going to divorce your wife because she doesn't believe like you? And, and how would God feel about that? And it opened up this whole ridiculous line of questions that when it came down to it, I mean, that's my wife. And yeah, yeah. do I want to be with her or not with her? That's something that um, my husband and I were talking about because he was born and raised into the IFB church and I didn't join until a little bit later, but, and he was actually one of the, like, the founding reasons I deconstructed. We met at a Christian college. And he was like, well, why do you believe that this is like certain Bible stories? Like, do you think that's literal? Do you think it's a parable? Do you believe in a literal hell? Like, so we, we like to have these kind of conversations. And the other day I asked him if he thinks that going back to just like how men are men and, you know, men are, are the men that like strap on their boots and go hunting. And like, my husband's not that man. He is he works from home at his computer. He's a financial professional, but like this toxic, like culture of like men will be men and, and women should just submit. And the idea that like, do we think that the idea of women needing to submit comes from insecure men? And we actually kind of like came to the conclusion together that we believe in the idea of submitting in a relationship, but maybe not in the way that the IFB preaches in kind of more of a way that like not submit as to submit to authority but submit as to like turn like a paper in like to submit something to show what you've got and to kind of like bring who you are to the surface and the bible also in the next sentence says to love that men should love their wives 
And so like the idea that the toxic, I guess what I'm trying to get at is the toxic idea that like men rule the household in the IFB church. What was the breaking point of that? Was it the idea that like you don't want to divorce your wife or was it like, hey, my wife is worth more to me than my pride of being the man in charge. I care more about her and her happiness and, you know, having her in my life if it really comes down to me, her or the church. Well, I mean, I don't have any pride. So, uh, of course, I've got pride. That was a joke. Uh, (laughs) My... uh, even now, whenever we talk, like it, mm-hmm. if it comes, like, I don't know how far she's going to go, you know, and I, and, and that's cool. Like we, we got married. Um, she had actually just got out of a marriage mm-hmm. and uh, that's a whole other story for a whole <laughs> other time, but um, she was young and there are times that I feel really guilty because she'll bring up, you know, I wanted to do this and I want to do that, but I couldn't because, you know, I got married and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you know, and at the time I told her, I was like, look, you, you can go, you can go do whatever you want to do. That's fine. I'll, you know, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'll be around. Mm-hmm. You can always find me. So I guess I, I just kind of went back to approaching it like that. You know, you, you were talking about the Bible saying that Jesus says, uh, you know, or, or th- that the Bible says you should, you know, wives should submit to their husbands and then turns around and said, husband, love your wives. It's, it's not just love your wives. It's, it's love your wives as, as Christ loved the church mm-hmm. and man, biblical christianity is literally you are a a person who you know you you cannot redeem yourself that's what the bible teaches and you go to a god who's going to love you in spite of that and i guess that's how i approached it you know she has all the room she needs it's safe for her here if she decides that she needs to go she can go but i'm not going to you know I'm here. As a matter of fact, whenever she was she was in the thick of of dealing with her stuff, I remember mm-hmm. sitting on the side of the bed one morning and I was like, look, do you need to leave? Like, do you need to get away? And she was like, I don't know. And I was like, well, if you do, do it. Like, yeah. I would rather her leave for a minute and come back than right. to stay and, you know, destroy everything. So I think there was a little bit of pride swallowing, obviously, that had to happen. Yeah. I mean, independent fundamental baptist nate was you know going up against this this lady who i loved and respected and cherished and took care of for the last 13 years right um, at the time and you know it was you're gonna throw that away because she wants to get a tattoo right (laughs) and it, it, it was it just got to be silly so i just stuck it out Sorry. Go ahead. It's your turn. I already forget where we were in these questions. Well, we don't have to go in order. Yeah. Just anything that pops up. I guess we kind of went over this, but what is deconstruction to you? Um, Like, how have you changed since um, you went from IFB to where you are now? Do you think there's a difference in your preaching than there was IFB to now? Okay, so deconstruction to me, basically, I used to build mobile homes on an assembly mm-hmm. line, which was a fun job. You get to see a lot of stuff, but sometimes, you know, we would install a wall or we would install a window and the house would be, you know, three, four stations down the line. And you got to go down there and pull vinyl siding off and 
pull, you know, uh, backing material off and get in there, work around bathtubs and sinks and try to get a window out. Mm -hmm. And, and then you put a new window in, you fix it back up and everything looks great. And I guess maybe in my experience, that's what it's been more like. I know some people, they just bulldoze everything. Mm Yeah. And you know, they're just done. They're just standing there in the rubble and they laugh and they think this is, this is where they're at. It's great. But for me, it, it couldn't be like that. Um, mm-hmm. There were a few really <laughs> intense weeks, months where it was like, how far am I going to go? It'd be, it's, it's really tempting to just walk away sometimes and just not deal with it. But at this point, the church has been so much a part of who I am that mm-hmm. it, it would be completely existential. Like, Maybe if I live to 90, I'll have some good resolution. I'm I'm not done, right. but I'm definitely in a more stable spot than I was. Yeah, I definitely think that's a good analogy. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm, I'd assume you are um, with Ginger Duggar Volo. She's one of the Duggar kids and she just, I respect her. Okay, don't roll your eyes at me. But I, sorry, Chelsea was rolling her eyes for <laughs> listeners, not, not Nate, but <laughs> She just came out with her book and it's called Becoming Free Indeed, Disentangling Faith from Fear. Um, And she did an interview about her book where she said deconstruction is different to her than disentangling because deconstruction is where you just tear everything down and there's no intent to build it back up. But I think that is, as you were saying, I think that's a little bit too broad of a definition of deconstruction because a lot of people do kind of tear a wall down here. Um, and then build it back up and then move on. Or if it's a load bearing wall, they tear it down slowly and build a beam, you know? So I think it is the idea that you're not done is kind of one that's like a whoever gets done deconstructing, you know, whoever gets done with their spiritual or, you know, mental journey, like it'll get done when we die. (laughs) Like it's not done. Right. As as far as the change in my preaching and stuff, mm-hmm. oh my, I'm stubborn by nature. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like I'll defend something till I die if I feel like it's right. Mm-hmm. And whenever you're in the IFB, you're told, hey, you have a book, it's right. You know, you can you can stand on this, you can build a marriage on this, you can build a, you know, mm-hmm. the the song and dance. And so like that's what I was on yeah so whenever I preached it was you know uh, me and my wife talked about the word preached the other day and it doesn't sound like it'd be the right past tense but if you if it was like you know prot that doesn't sound like <laughs> it. so I don't really know so, uh but I'll, I'll say preached even though it sounds really hillbilly um but but my my preaching was I'm not gonna say it was hateful but it was it was not nice <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. something that I really have always had a problem with is you know you you stand in front of 300 people or 30 people or three people and you you pour out not only what God has given you or what you found in scripture but you put yourself in it and then there's no reaction or very little reaction mm-hmm. yeah. and you feel like man bunch of sinners you know (laughs) it was was, was never me right I was never the problem and I guess now you know after after kind of deconstructing a little bit and and like I said I'm still on my journey I'm not definitely not done Mm -hmm. there is um definitely more of an idea of love and not you know the superficial 
God loves everybody love, which is true. Right. But it's the, and I, I think it's not just people outside the church. Honestly, this is going to sound so corny and I hate even saying it, but it's the truth. Like we, the church hasn't learned to love itself. We, the, the people in the church, you have a, you know, a 60 year old man who worked his whole life and he doesn't care to point the finger and say, oh, this race of people is wrong. And I've heard that from the pulpit, you know, some guy get up and say something stupid. Yeah. And you know that really his problem is he he hasn't taken the time to love who he is. Like you know, he, there, there's no there's no self care there, which is another thing that the church doesn't care about. No, um, it's hey, you know, you should be hateful. That's what that's what old men do, right? They get hateful. Yeah. If if my wife heard me say that, she'd give me so much grief because I'm I'm a hateful person. <laughs> but it's great. No, I think it's it's great for a lot of people that I know who will be listening this listening to this podcast, like people I personally know, they hear this stuff kind of come from me or come from Chelsea or like things, you know, the media we consume, whatever we share, TikTok, whatever it is. But to hear somebody inside of the church say, hey guys, like take a step back, like self-care. First of all, I'm glad you brought that up because like it's a dirty word to like think about yourself in any capacity like it's they act like it's one of the biggest sins to like god forbid you have to take care of yourself but to hear that kind of like we don't have self-love how can we give love to the rest of society you you can't and it is it's hateful and it's hateful in the name of love and it's hateful in the name of jesus and that's not who he is or who he would you know uh like what he would endorse. And that's kind of, I guess, where my anger at the church comes from that I haven't really gotten to resolve because it's still so like fresh to me that like, I see this every day and I'm like, hating people in Jesus's name is still hate. Yeah, I think, so after I had the, the sit down with the church was, 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 it was really like just a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I've been able to just taking a step back and not having that weight on me kind of, reestablish a relationship with God yeah in a way that I hadn't before in a, in a no pressure way I, mm-hmm. that sounds weird I guess but like um my sermons have been a lot more about us you know people in the church who you know what what does God want from us I mean Jesus showed up and he he didn't hang out with a church crowd obviously, right yeah who would want to um, especially if they were independent Baptists and he, he went to, I mean, he's hanging out in the house of a tax collector that everybody hates mm-hmm. like, a way to get good publicity. And he's talking to, to prostitutes and he's, he's talking to known sinners and alcoholics and people who were deemed unclean. And that's, that's who he, that's who he hung out with. That's who we talked to. And, and you don't find in the gospels where he's like, I know you're a prostitute and all, um, and that's wrong, and I hate you. He he doesn't do that. Yeah. Did did Jesus talk to homosexuals? I'm pretty positive he did. Yeah. And what did he say to him? The same thing he said to everybody else. If he was at least consistent, right? When he yeah. When he talked to people, and and I think that the church has forgotten that their purpose here isn't. I was actually thinking about this this morning. We were we we're taught so much in the Independent Baptist Church, and I mean for real, like the last three years, I guess I would say have been the only three, three and a half years that I haven't been influenced by the independent Baptist church. And it's like, we we're taught the world is part of the enemy. You know, you have the world, the flesh mm-hmm. and the devil. And like, I, 
I can see where I'm my own enemy, right? I'm diabetic, but I still drink a Coke, you know, yeah. I, I can understand how the devil's the enemy, you know, he's this force against all good. I get how that's a bad guy, but the world, sometimes I think we, we get it wrapped around our head and we say, love the sinner, you know, hate the sin. But sometimes mm -hmm. we, we just go ahead and lump everything together and say, I hate everybody. Yeah. yeah. And they're all wrong. And that's not right. I mean, it's not one of the churches in decline. So we, we do have to wrap up here with a, a few of these last questions, but I think we kind of did touch on it. Um, but let's go back to the um, toxic masculinity story. Oh, I do. I remembered my question. I'm sorry. God. I'm That's sorry. Fine. Go ahead. You're it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> the same thing. But if you had members of your church come to you and say that they were interested in deconstruction or thinking about deconstruction, like how would you? I don't want to say talk them against it, but would you encourage it for other other members of your church? That's a good That's question. A really good question, Joe. Um, I think that it, it would depend on the situation. I think like you can tell if someone is just desperate yeah. and, mm -hmm. you know, just needing attention like that. That's a thing. I think for the most part, I would encourage it because I don't know what their history is. Like we had thoughts and traditions in my family that are not true, you know, just yeah. not at all. And I don't know what that person's family taught them. I don't know what their morals, you know, what morals were given to them. I don't know what has happened to them at churches in the past. I think it's, it's healthy. I, yeah. I, I used to tell people that a, a faith that can't be tested, can't be trusted. And I don't know where I picked that up along the way, but it's yeah. true. That is. Yeah. That's great. It's, it's definitely true. Like, um, I guess it, IFB always frowns upon deconstructing, but I mean, it's the, it's the best way to test your faith. It's the best way to find out, you know, if, this is something that you've just been taught your whole entire life or you actually believe it. Yeah, I think the IFB frowns upon doubting your faith at all. Yeah. Like you should know without a shadow of a doubt that you're saved, you should. But I think it's just human. I mean, we talked about this in the last one. It's just human yeah. to doubt, you know, to doubt something. Yeah, Okay. absolutely. Go with your questions, that was mine. Oh, my question was just, um, let's talk about the toxic oh, yeah. masculinity story that you have for us oh, before yeah. we wrap up. I forgot you said you had a story, yeah. so I'm excited for it. Okay, so so we moved in like late July. So this would have been it was in June. It was Father's Day weekend. And um there was a church like we used to go to Virginia Beach quite a bit in vacation and mm. uh, on our anniversary and then they started being really busy in October so we quit going. But then it was Father's Day weekend and we took uh we, we went to a church we'd gone to before. It's an independent Baptist church and we go in there and the, the guy's up preaching and he is like, he's just hammering women. Like it, it got to be so bad that like I was looking around and, and he's talking about, I mean, he, he kind of dressed the men down too, but he was really giving it to women about not being physically active. So said a woman shouldn't be smarter than her husband, which is dumb. Like I, <laughs> I don't know how I function, you know, without my wife sometimes. Yeah. Um, she shouldn't be more educated than her husband, which I also thought was dumb. Like what, what, what does this guy think happens if, you know, you're, you're out, you're both single, you know, you're out right. in England around and you meet a, a lady who's a very good Christian, but she also happens to be a doctor. Like, what right. you <laughs> You're on a different level, you know, come on. But something that my wife and I still joke about was he's like, women shouldn't be carrying, like they have functions at the church. He was, you know, women shouldn't be carrying chairs. They're going to get linebacker shoulders. And I'm like, <laughs> 
I look over at my wife and she, like I said, she used to work outdoor theater and she's pushing oh, sets yeah. around all day in the heat. And I'm like, you've got linebacker shoulders, yeah. you know, and yeah. it was terrible. Like I was watching this guy and he's just berating women and talking down about them. And I'm looking at all these women in the church and they're, they're looking at their husbands and their husbands are laughing and hooting and oh, hollering like, like it's a locker room. Yeah. That is tragic. That's, I'm, yeah. It is. It's terrible. And I'm like, I'm a man, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a manly man, I think. No, I probably not, but <laughs> that's how I fancy myself. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, what in the world? Like, why does this guy have a right to talk like this in yeah, a church? Right. You know? Like if it's a man's fellowship and and you know he's got a vent about his home life i guess that's one thing but to make fun of women while their husbands are sitting there and and getting their husbands to go along with it i was just like that's horrible you know that's insane like what are you perpetuating for your your congregation to like teach their children to like like their little girls are listening to like how their dad talks to their mom like ugh, that's gross it, it, it was it was terrible well I can't wait to talk to your wife and hear about her she said that her story is a lot of pressure from the church and you know Chelsea and I have that you not unique because you know half the population is women but we have that like experience that maybe you don't have that I'm excited to talk to your wife about to kind of see her take on maybe that same story or kind of some of the things that she was taught in the church from a woman's perspective, but it's so interesting to hear it from a man's as well. It is, yeah. Because it's not a perspective Chelsea and I think about or talk about frequently. Yeah, and I still feel like we have questions. But I still feel like we do too. Let me see. Nate, would you be open to potentially finishing up this interview on a different day? Because we do have some more questions, but my battery is at 2%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the interview I'm, before you ran way longer than it was expected and this one is also running along we talk a lot okay well <laughs> i talk a lot is what she means. Right. anytime okay thank, thank you, so, you much. so much hey thank you guys you guys have a great day Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Drink and Deconstruct podcast. I'm your host, Grace Marino, and I hope you had a great time with us today. See you next week. If you or anyone you know has a story that they would like to share about their own deconstruction experience, their own experience in a cult, please send them our way. You can email us at drinkanddeconstructpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram at drinkanddeconstructpod and send us a DM over there.